welcome to the Production Talk podcast with me, Jan of MixArtist.com.au. In this podcast series, we celebrate the modern way of producing music. We want to talk about all things related to songwriting, recording at home and music production. So if you produce your music at home, this is the place to be. Please subscribe and recommend this podcast to all your friends. The Production Talk Podcast, Episode 41. Welcome back to another episode of the Production Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for being on board again. It's a very special episode today, as I have uh, something planned that I've never done on this podcast before. But before we get into the nitty-gritty details, I'd like to uh, pay my respects and acknowledge the, um, the traditional owners and custodians of the land that this podcast is recorded on, the Iraqwil people of the Bandalong Nation, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Good, let's get into it. So today is um, a special day in a sense that I'm trying uh, to break a song down in front of you. That is something that I haven't done on this podcast before. And uh, first and foremost, before I get um, uh, any further, I'd like to give some credits to the people involved. So the song that I'm going to show you today is called Breakaway by Sapphire Stone and the Matchmakers. You probably remember Sophia from episode 29, when we had a chat together about her um, song Long Road Home. And uh, not too long ago, we met up again. This time, um, we uh, worked together on two songs, and one of them was released just a couple of days ago, and that is the song that is the song Breakaway. Um, so I just reached out to Sophia, and she gave me her permission to use sound examples of the song today, which um, I'm very excited about, because this time around, I was involved in the recording. The editing, the mixing, and uh, yeah, so um, basically what, what you see there is uh, something that I also uh, discussed in another episode, like episode 10, when we spoke about the relay race, and I think uh, in this case with uh, Sophia and her band, um, and myself and Talia, uh, I think there is a great example you know, where uh, Sophia brings all the musical skills to the table. I take over for the mixing and then we pass it over to Talia for mastering and we got the song done relatively quickly. So today I'd like to um, introduce you to the song and we are going to uh, dig uh, pretty deep into my Pro Tools sessions uh, from the recording day. So the way we tracked... Um, The, the song was um, live in a studio where we basically had the drum set, the bass, um, the guitar and, and a guide vocal all in the same room. So I wanted to create the vibe of being on stage together or in a rehearsal room together. Everybody could see each other, look in each other's eyes. And um, yeah, on that day we had... Um, um, 
Uh, Sophia on the guide vocal, we had Ben Cox on the drums, we had Brando on the bass and uh, Juan uh, on the guitar. And um, uh, yeah, what I really remember from the recording day was just the pure joy that I could see on the musicians' faces. They really seemed to enjoy themselves a lot in the studio and that's exactly what a recording session uh, is all about in my books. You know, as long as the musicians are enjoying themselves, are having a great time, then everything else seems to fall into place like sound and microphone placement and all of that. And uh, I think we had a good thing going there. So um, let me just uh, show you where we're at. So in front of me is my Pro Tools. I've got um, uh, my mixer in front of me. So you might hear a bit of a sound in the background when I click and uh, swap bangs so the faders move. So let me just get started. Um, we have the session pretty much ready to go. And... Uh, yeah, there we go. Let's hit play and see how it actually sounded on, on the day of recording. Let me just gain stage my levels a little, bring it up a touch over here and a touch down over there. Good. So let's dig into into the details. So let me just talk you through the drum set. So we had Mr. Ben Cox on the drums, and this is how the drum set sounded through all the drum microphones. So, and before you say, hey, you're making a mistake there, I hear other things as well. Um, what you're hearing is pretty much um, everything that was recorded together. I can hear guitars. I can also hear some bass, mainly coming through the drum room microphones. So let's just go through the microphones one by one. Um, here is the kick drum, which we recorded with um, an Audix D6, uh, one of my favorite kick drum microphones. However, it's always a little bit on the clicky, aggressive side, especially for the genre. So um, I'm going to share with you how I fix this in a couple of moments. But here is the, um, the kick microphone in isolation. I'll just bring the master up because that's a bit quiet. Yep, I think that's an about good level. I keep fixing the levels as I go. So, um, yeah, that's how it sounds. The microphone was basically placed pretty much with the diaphragm exactly where the sound hole is um, in the resonance uh, or um, hole of, of the kick drum. And uh, that's a place where... Um, yeah, there's a fair bit of air movement and you get a fair bit of low end. However, this microphone also has got a very pronounced attack, um, which uh, mixes itself really well. But it always um, leads to a more, yeah, can I call it aggressive sound? Well, it's, it's a prominent sound that has a lot of impact and smack to it, which is usually very useful for rock and punk and metal and all of that. Um, and uh, to blend this into more of a reggae sound, I uh, hope you got the reggae vibe of this production already, um, I decided to place a second microphone. And for that, we, dis um, uh, we broke all the rules and we placed a speaker driver in front of the kick drum uh, for um, what is called a sick 
what is called is what is called a subkick microphone. So it's effectively a speaker driver, which um, has been taken out of out of a speaker and simply suspended on a microphone stand. And the terminals of the of that speaker drivers are then simply connected to an XLR connector. From um, an electronics point of view, looking at impedances and all of that, there's a lot of wrong things about that. However, in my case, um, I don't think that's uh, something that I should consider uh, as long as it works. And uh, here's how it sounds. Let me just play this for you and see um, how that sub-microphone sounds by itself. Okay, so I'm not quite sure if you could hear this too well, because what you hear is basically what, what I played <clears throat> is a signal that has pretty much nothing but bass. And now it simply depends on your headphones or playback system. If you listen on an iPhone, chances are you couldn't hear a thing. Um, if you're on headphones, chances are you could hear a little. If you had a good pair, you could probably hear a pretty impressive oomph. Um, but there's nothing else, so it's no, got no definition. Um, and therefore, this is not a signal that works by itself at all. But I find that together with the D6 um, kick microphone, together they blend into something really nice, and it adds a certain warmth to the um, um, uh, microphone that was placed in the sound hole. So I'm playing the D6 now. Yeah. I think you can hear the clicky sound. And now I'm bringing up the fader for the sub-kick. And there we go. Now it turns into a oomphier, a darker kind of um, kick drum sound, which uh, I think is really appropriate for, for the genre. And it works pretty well. Good, let's move on. Uh, here's the snare microphone. We had a top and a bottom. Here's the top. Yeah. And Mr. Ben Cox, the drummer, uh, he locked it in so well. He played uh, like a machine that day. And uh, I just admire how he plays so precise, but also so relaxed. Um, yeah, fantastic drumming is where it all starts. So you can hear he plays different techniques. I can hear the rim click, which is basically the stick laying down on the snare and you hit it onto the rim. And then every once in a while he hits a proper uh, snare backbeat, um, which we heard just a couple of seconds ago. And there it was again, yeah, just now. So that's an interesting technique. And uh, what I really like about Ben's playing is that he's got his dynamic really well under control. So uh, occasionally I, I record drummers where the rim click is just very quiet and then the hits are super loud. And um, that can present some problems in mixing. Uh, especially live, that's a real problem because I constantly find myself moving the fader. Um, when I mix a song where that's the case, uh, I usually then go through a little bit of an editing procedure and split um, the rim clicks to one channel and the snare hits to another, which is a quick method to, um, to fix that and then you know, move on from there. In this case, that actually wasn't necessary. So, big respect for... Um, yeah, playing so controlled. Let me show you the snare bottom microphone that aims at the spirals at the snare at the bottom, the wires. Yep, that's a weird sound by itself. I don't like it much, but it needs to work together with the snare top. And now we're listening to both. Yeah. Cool, all right. Uh, then I guess the next most important signal are the overheads, which we of course recorded in stereo. That's 
hit solo here. Ah, lovely. Now we immediately get a bit of width. Um, in this case, we used actually two ribbon microphones as overheads. Um, and uh, they were connected uh, through um, a Chandler uh, preamp, so really lovely gear. And uh, we can definitely hear also some uh, spill coming through. In this case, the spill no, is the uh, bass. Uh, and it gives everything a nice, lovely stereo width. No? So I can hear the hi-hat coming a little bit from the right. Let's add things together. So um, here is the kick. Sorry, let me just use the kick. Uh, now let's put the snare in and the overheads. And we pretty much have a nicely balanced drum set. So what we usually need then is a bit of extras. So here's the Hyatt microphone. Let me just show you in isolation. Now the Hyatt is panned a little bit to the right right now, which is, uh, yeah, uh, I know that a lot of people uh, discuss whether higher microphones are even necessary or not, especially if you've got good microphones on the overheads and good microphone technique. Um, so the way I like to use a higher microphone is not to actually introduce much more hi-hat level. Uh, that's often not necessary, especially if pl uh, drummers play rock beats with open hi-hats, then it's, it's usually that I want less hi-hat <laughs> rather than more. But um, if it's mic'd well, um, I can just blend it in so that the hi-hat just comes a little bit to the foreground rather than being further distant in the room without getting much louder. And, and that's the way I like to um, play with the hi-hat. So let's just do that one more time. I'm starting to solo the, uh, the drum set, which is now kick, snare and overheads. And then I'm going to uh, add the hi-hat in. Let's see if that makes a difference. So this is without hi-hat. And let me just add that in now. Out again. I can still hear the hi-hat. It sounds a bit more distant and a bit quieter. And here it's in again. Just comes forward, just a touch. It doesn't need to be much louder than this. This is pretty much all that that's needed. Okay, then uh, Ben played only one uh, tom on this um, song, and it was actually only played once right at the beginning, uh, sorry, right at the end of the song, so here it is. <laughs> it's a single tom hit, so uh, yeah, that made it, of course, really easy for me to, to mic that up, and uh, in the mix that was obviously not a big concern. Okay, so uh, now that we've gone through the drum set and all the close microphones, uh, let's go to the next most important ones. We set up room microphones, uh, which I love for drums, and I use them differently depending on the genre. So, for example, uh, in rock and metal, uh, I often process the rooms quite a bit with EQ and compression and set them up so that they you know, add a spectacular, impressive room sound. Uh, in this case, I'm after a more natural, um, can I say delicate sound? I'm not quite sure if that's the right phrase here. But um, definitely, I don't want the rooms to be as dominant um, as it would be for other genres. So we set up a couple of room microphones. First and foremost, we set the room up in stereo with a mid-side technology. So um, I'm going to show you how that sounds. It's set up with one microphone, that's the M or mid microphone, and this is how it sounds. No, that was just the end of the song. Let's go back to the top. A 
effectively the room microphone gives us an impression of the entire band. Everything is audible that you can hear in the room. So that's the drums, bass and guitar. And if I, if I listen to this microphone, I find that it's almost a perfect balance between all the three instruments. Okay. However, this microphone is a mono microphone. Uh, in this case, let me just think about what we use there. I believe this was a pencil condenser, an omni pencil condenser. And then we combined that um, with another microphone. It's the microphone that I actually use today to record this podcast. It's a Rode K2. And today I'm using this in a directional mode. It's, it's a cardioid microphone today when I record my vocals. But on the day of the recording, we set this up as the room side microphone in figure eight configuration. In other words, it picks up sound from one side and the other side, uh, opposite side, I mean, but not from right angles, um, giving us a figure of eight shape. In mid-site uh, um, stereo recording technology, this signal is then duplicated and inverted on polarity on the right-hand side, which sounds really weird. Let me just solo this for you. Well, so if you're wearing headphones, this might just be doing your head in. There's also another possibility. If you couldn't hear a thing, then you might be listening in mono, where this signal would cancel perfectly. Let me just bring it up a little bit louder. So if you're listening in stereo, you will definitely hear some kind of an out-of-face sensation, which is usually not very nice by itself. However, if we add this together now, here's the mid-microphone. And let me blend in the side microphone. There it is. So the mid-microphone panned dead center and the side microphone panned hard left right and of opposite polarity can give a lovely stereo image and uh, the beauty is that in the mix i can mix it a bit more mono which i'm doing now mid microphone upside down or if i want more width i can change that as well mid down and side up gets really wide and you know i can get to the point where it's uncomfortable so it's always about blending it about right Good. So that's a stereo room and that basically that basically captured the entire band and that was definitely fun and I used that in the mix of course. Um, you will hear later in the mix that I actually automated those rooms and you know brought them up in certain sections and down in other sections and you know that's the kind of stuff that I really like to leave for the mix. Good. Then in addition to that we also had a mono room far which was basically a microphone on the other end of the room and uh, let me just spy on what we used there uh, i think we used another omni pencil condenser if i remember correctly so let's listen to that room microphone at a great distance Okay, you can probably hear that it actually sounds more distant and no surprise that's exactly what happened there. Okay, so I think let's put all of this together. So um, here's the entire drum set, including all the direct microphones and also the uh, room microphones. And uh, yeah, uh, I hope this explains why we had so much uh, other signals on the drums as well, guitar and bass. Um, just before um, you freak out over it, uh, Spiel, 
uh, means you know other signals that we are not expecting here or that we're actually not in aiming for are something that I basically embrace a lot. I think spill is something really good if it's controlled and contained and balanced um, in the recording process. So in my personal books, um, having the bass and the guitar come through the room microphones, the drum rooms, adds, adds a certain magic, a certain space, ambience, um, that is, that's really hard to, to reproduce using plugins and processors. So having that is a huge advantage in my box. All right, let's listen to the drums. Um, kick in, out, snare top, overhead left, right. We have a hired microphone, a single tom, and then a couple of room microphones, a mid microphone, a side microphone, and a far room. This is how they sound together. Okay, that's not a bad starting point. So at this stage, all the faders are uh, pretty much at unity gain. And um, the way I like to record, um, we, we spoke about this in, in the episode about gain staging. Um, uh, the way I like to record is to, to basically pre-mix uh, the signals as I track so that they come back out of Pro Tools with the faders at unity gain and it basically gives me a pretty much balanced, uh, ready-to-go um, sound to start from. Okay, so let's move on. Um, since this is a reggae vibe song, uh, we definitely need to consider the bass. So Brandon did an amazing job playing ridiculously beautiful bass lines. Um, and uh, we recorded the bass with two signals. Uh, one of them is the microphone um, in front of the bass cabinet. Um, in this case, I believe we used an RE20 in front of his bass cabinet. Uh, please don't press me for the name of the cabinet. I literally don't remember what it was, but I know that it sounded pretty sweet to start with. So here's Brandon on the bass. <laughs> That's just a lovely performance. You might be able to hear a bit of uh, drums again in the background. So uh, again, we caught some spill from the drums. That's normal when you track in the same room. And important to me here is that now I get a really strong and healthy bass level without getting too much of the drums. If the the drums were equally loud as the bass, that's a problem. However, I think um, you know just a faint bit of distance, um, uh, drums in the distance on that bass microphone. Yeah, it, it actually adds a certain color and vibe to the drum set, um, and that's actually something that I really enjoy. <laughs> And then, of course, um, there's always the other option. So we, you know, when recording a bass, uh, in this case, that bass uh, traveled through an Avalon U5 DI box uh, to the amp. Um, and, of course, I got a split from that. And here's the DI signal. And that's a lovely sound by itself. And of course, this is entirely free from any spill and um, therefore, you know, allows me to process that a little bit harder if I need to in the mix. But in this case, that actually wasn't that necessary. Lovely sound. Let's just add the other microphone so we have now both together. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So when it comes to blending the eye and microphones on bass, we should always consider that there is a tiny little timing difference between the two. It's usually that the bass, um, the eye signal arrives just a little bit before um, the signal on the microphone. That's simply because of the speed of sound and it takes a moment to travel from the cabinet to the um, to the microphone, which by itself is absolutely no problem. But when you line it up against uh, the RDI signal, it can lead to some problems. And there are methods to overcome this, of course. You, know, you can shuffle the waveform sideways until they line up. There are also some other tools that can uh, do this automatically, like... Um, let me just think about that. What am I? Uh, what have I been using there? Um, occasionally, I use Soundradix Auto Align for that. However, in this production, I don't think I use that one. So often, I just go by ear. Uh, one of the easiest solutions is to simply blend the two faders with one louder and the other one quieter. Um, that way, it's actually not really too much of a problem. Um, so if I give the bass DI an upper hand and uh, blend the cabinet in a bit quieter, that problem seems to disappear, or vice versa. I can run the cabinet loud and, and the bass DI quiet, then this is usually not a problem. Um, there's also, um, let me just think about that, it's a UAD plugin, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm hard-pressed for the name right now. There was one that actually plays with a face angle in a very musical way, um, what I really liked about it is that I wasn't using the, the waveform overview to line things up. All I had was just a, literally a dial that you know, changed the face angle until they blend together. Um, did I use that in the mix this time? I don't think it was actually necessary, so I probably just didn't. But um, yeah, um, generally speaking, when I, when I deal with a microphone and a DI, uh, I definitely play the faders against one another and see if I can hear any... Um, comb filtering and if that's the case I, I do something about it but in this case it didn't actually make too much of a difference okay let's move on um, the person in the live room with a biggest smile on his face was definitely the guitar player Juan he had a blast and it was just so nice to see him enjoying himself so much and he performed you know so well it was the first time that we actually recorded together in the studio um, I've known him for many years and he's in a ridiculously amazing uh, guitar player so it is so good to, to work together um, uh, I'm just trying to think about what guitar amp he brought in on the day. I want to say Fender, but I may be wrong here. But uh, let's just listen to the first microphone. In this case, this was in condenser, uh, AKG C414, which was aimed at um, uh, one of the cones, a little bit closer to the center, if I remember correctly. And this is how that sounded. Okay, I think you can hear that there is a fair bit of bass in there, uh, also a bit of drums. So we balanced the volume of the band in the room until we you know, had the spill evenly spread. Um, the spill was no problem at all in the mix, so I don't go into trying to un-EQ that from the guitar or you know, use processors to remove that at all. I like to embrace it. I think that's a good thing. So we actually had a second microphone. Here is an MD421. A dynamic microphone, 
And in typical microphone fashion, dynamic microphones seem to pick up less uh, spill than their condenser counterparts. They, uh, they are not as open to the room, so it's a more of a focused sound. But it's also got a certain metallic uh, character here, which, um, yeah, important to me is that I capture different sounds. So if I set up two microphones and they sound the same, what's the point of doing that? In this case, it actually worked really well with a, a blend of both, so we can use the 421 or here's the MD4 sorry I was let me just start that again we can use the C414 that's the C1414 and here's the 421 and now let's blend them together so here's both about equal now I'm giving the C414 the upper hand a couple of dBs louder And now we give the 4 to 1 the upper hand. Yep. So uh, as you could see, the guitar sound shifted quite a bit as I was playing the microphones um, in volume against one another. So um, that's a really powerful uh, trick that I like to use. It's effectively a very powerful EQ in, in many ways. And um, yeah, the way I like to, to blend those microphones is always in the mix. So I like to hear everything and then I just play with the faders until the guitar finds its place. So um, yeah, that was actually definitely... Um, a powerful thing to have. We then also used um, the same cabinet and the same microphone techniques for um, the uh, lead guitar, which he played in overdub afterwards. So um, let's go to that. Uh, where are my faders? Um, the wrong bank. Let me just get my faders closer. So here's a lead take, and uh, Juan, he really nailed it on those leads. You'll see that later in the mix. I used them quite a bit, and they added such a lovely vibe. So here's the C414. Gee, his guitar has got such a lovely tone. Here's the 4 to 1. Mm -hmm. So in, in this case, the 4 to 1 sounds a bit more direct, a bit closer. While the no, C414 just has a bit more space around it. And that's just a really lovely... I think in the mix I used uh, this microphone mainly, if I remember correctly. Yeah, okay. So, and then he you know, played additional guitars, like this one. Again, we have two microphones for that. Here's the other one. Mm -hmm. So effectively, we've got three elements. We've got uh, the first guitar take that he played with a band. Here it comes. And in typical reggae fashion, this is what we know as the skank. Now sits on the off. And then we add um, the last guitars that we showed, which is uh, Melody. Lovely. So some people uh, call this a popcorn guitar, which is a funny way of saying it plays, you know, a lovely little melody. And then, of course, we also have the uh, leads that actually played, you know, um, yeah, I guess um, attention-grabbing, lovely elements uh, that just, uh, yeah, provide a lovely melody and carry the song. So here's all the guitars together. Let's add the bass. Mm -hmm. 
bit more bass. Okay, good. So let's put it all together. Here's the entire band uh, without guide vocals at this stage. The guide vocals in. Here's Sapphire's vocal. Oh, that's cut. Sorry. <laughs> it's always funny to play so, uh, vocals in isolation. They sound a bit naked, and uh, obviously <laughs> they need a bit of reverb and all of the things that make vocals, you know, gel uh, into the mix. But um, as you can see, there is a fair bit of spill on it. So let me just rewind a little bit and just uh, drop into the intro. Took the time to wake them up, but they don't want to see, so we're on the run. Yeah, so um, in this case, we actually have a little bit too much um, spill for my personal liking. So uh, when mixing these things together, I find that I need more compression on the vocals, and that usually means all the spill comes up. And uh, in all honesty, I have not found an effective a way that I like uh, to remove spill from, from a vocal take. So that's why we decided to re-record the vocals uh, on another day in isolation. And that means I need to switch my Pro Tools session over to the next one. So let me just go to the vocal session. That was this one over here. Okay, it's booting up just a couple of seconds. And uh, yeah, so we took a little bit of extra time to record the vocals uh, really well um, without the band present. Oh, actually, I think Brando was present, wasn't he? And uh, in, in this case, yeah, we decided to uh, just give uh, Sapphire a bit of extra attention. And um, yeah, basically... Um, Gave her the, the rock star treatment, if, if you want to call it so. Let me just double check if this session plays okay. Outputs are set. Um, I think we're about ready. So here are the main vocals this time re-recorded. Okay, so those vocals are clean as can be, so there's no spill on there at all. And uh, no, she did an amazing job. She nailed it. I think this might have been, let me just look at my numbers here. If I'm not mistaken, this was vocal take two, while the first one was sound check. So uh, in other words, after doing the sound check, that is a full take that she sang and she Fucking nailed it. Excuse me, I'm not supposed to swear on my podcast, but uh, just wanted to mention that I'm just really impressed by how well this turned out. Because it's a drama, not a comedy. Mm -hmm. Let's put it all together. So um, you might have heard that there were other things going on as well. Um, I added a couple of uh, percussions, uh, which we will introduce in a couple of moments. But for now, I'm just turning them off. So we're basically back to where we started. We have the band recording. However, this time um, the guide vocal is turned off. And instead, um, we added... Um, um, the, the uh, main vocals um, yeah so let's hit play and so check how that sounds together we took the time to wake 
wake them up, but they don't want to see. So we're on the run, need to break away. Plan our escape, but start a new life. Lovely, lovely, lovely. There's a, such a beautiful vibe. And, you know, I really like how this came together. Um, good. So then, of course, we need to make it a bit bigger and fatter. And for that, we recorded extra uh, vocals uh, to make, um, yeah, the production, you know, just a bit rounder and fuller. And um, as it happens in most productions, we overdid it a little bit and recorded more than we... <laughs> Then the mix could handle and um, afterwards it went through a process of illumination where we just thinned it out and reduced it to um, yeah what we really needed but at this stage you can literally hear all the bits that we recorded and in addition to the main vocals um, Sophia recorded a high backing voice that literally went all across so this is how that sounds together Nope, that's panned a little bit awkwardly. Let me just correct this in the middle. Needs a breakaway. Plan our escape. Start a new land where we can overlay. Ah, gee, I love it. It's like cream. It's like butter. It goes down so well. Lovely, lovely, lovely vocal takes. You've done so well, Sophia. Um, then let's move on. Uh, in the chorus, we added even more uh, signals. So here's a double um, and another harmony that we added in the chorus. So here it comes. You, my friends, I don't want to be in the fraternity. Wow, it gets really, really big. So you could hear some male vocals. Let me just see if I can find those. In this case, I believe we had Brando on the microphone. I don't want to be. Oh, actually, this is a double. So we had uh, Brando and uh, Ben uh, checked um, in some, some backing vocals as well. So uh, the two gentlemen were gathering around the same vocal microphone and uh, singing together. That's how this sounds. I don't want to be in the fraternity. Mm, just think about that. That's probably not the take that we took by the end of it. But uh, anyway, you get the warmth of it, you know, the feel, the, the vibe. So there's something really uh, soulful, I would say almost jazzy about it. Uh, that's just such a lovely contrast uh, with this, you know, reggae sound. So then in the chorus, we added even more in the final chorus. When, when I produce, I just love to throw everything I have at it in the final chorus. Um, I always like to make the final chorus bigger than everything else. And uh, yeah, let's go into the final chorus where we added extra ad-libs over here. Reality. Reality. Pan this reality, a little. Yeah. Reality. Reality, yeah, reality, yeah, reality. Harmonies. Yeah. Reality, making a reality. Reality. Mm -hmm. Keeps going. Uh, there's an extra out, uh, outro vocal that we also recorded. Reality. There's more males. Reality, yeah. And here are they together. Reality, I think we yeah. panned them pretty reality. far hard left, right? No, so the ma male vocals sit on the outside. Then we also had um, the... Overdubs, uh, they sound like this together. Reality, reality, yeah, reality. So they're basically doing the same reality, thing. While, yeah, reality, While the males obviously do something reality, else, a bit darker. Yeah, reality. And Sophia's backing reality, vocals. Yeah, reality. Sit in a higher register. Reality, yeah, reality. Sound beautiful together. Reality, yeah. Let's check all the vocals together in the final chorus so it is a stack full and definitely it was a bit more than I 
thought the song really needed. So in the mix, I thinned it out, but we'll go into this a little bit later. In the fraternity, cause it's a drama, not a comedy. Gee, love it. Love is our mentality. Oh, yeah. So we make a new reality. Reality. Reality, yeah. Reality. Okay, and it keeps on going. Look, um, we need to hear it later once it's uh, gone through the mixing stage. Obviously, it needs a bit of EQing, a bit of compression, uh, and definitely some reverb to, to really sound the way it's intended. Um, good. So once we had the vocals uh, locked in, um, I yeah added some percussions, uh, which I um, recorded myself or programmed uh, and or. So uh, when I think about percussion in an, um, a production, I often um, find that if there is a drum set and a percussionist, that the percussionist needs to be sort of, um, how do I phrase this, decorated around um, the music bed. So um, I, I think about where do the drums, bass and guitar and vocals sit and where is space. So in this case, I decided to go for uh, some shakers and um, we also went for um, a vibraslap that I just added, uh, recorded in, in my bedroom, uh, literally in my bedroom at home, um, an evening once the kids were asleep. Uh, it's still amazing that they didn't wake up. Um, and some, some wood blocks, which I believe were uh, probably a sample. So let's just uh, listen to... Um, the guitars and the drums and the percussion together this time without vocals but with a bit of blended uh, percussion in there oh, let me just find the vibra slap because i played that i'm just gonna make this extra loud oh, there it was so we've got some congas here bit of shaker a couple of wood blocks every Yep, there they come. Mm -hmm. So I think the wood blocks were literally programmed from a MIDI instrument in Pro Tools, if I remember correctly. They were not played. But uh, now the other elements, the shaker, uh, that's yours truly, and uh, the vibraslap as well. So just added a little bit of extras. And um, then we added... Um, also some keys and for that uh, Sophia reached out to my friend Dan Brown greetings Dan thank you for your amazing uh, keyboard takes um, I think this was all done in remote collaboration if I'm not mistaken if I understand correctly Sophia just flicked um, Dan the files um, via I guess Google Drive or Dropbox or something and um, Dan returned a couple of files for us uh, so have a listen this is the first one I believe uh, this is is that an organ let's have a listen yep that's a typical reggae organ playing the typical reggae rhythm now which interacts so well with the guitar and the skank so let's put them together Blend this a little bit. A bit more guitar. So the guitar plays on the offbeat on the skank. And the, the, the organ just bubbles around it and plays a very rhythmical pattern, which, you know, adds a lovely element in, in the mix because it actually makes this song feel faster than it actually is in, in some ways. Um, 
That's what the organ achieves. Then he also recorded uh, more signals. I believe this is a piano. Lovely. Yeah. Let me just put this into the mix maybe and maybe let's bring it up. I'm just going to turn the vocals off for the time being while we do so and uh, just jump into the mix. And here comes the piano. I kept it a bit quieter in the mix because obviously there are lots of um, other things going on. We also had a clavinet. Yeah. Oops, uh, clavinet, yeah, which has a more metallic sound. Uh, it's uh, it cuts really well, and um, yeah, um, in the second half of the song we had an instrumental section, which in my personal opinion ended up being a little bit too empty. I was I was lacking something entertaining, and uh, I used the clavinet later in the mix as a, the raw material to. Um, yeah, make it a bit more unique. Okay, so I think that's everything we had in this session. So let's move on and go on to um, a mix session. Um, it went through a bit of editing, of course, cleaning up and just making everything neat and tidy and pretty. And uh, what you're listening to is basically the finished mix as it was approved by Sophia. In this case, it was mix uh, version 1.0. So the first version of the mix was approved. That's not always the case. Uh, in many situations, my clients get back to me and say, look, love the mix, but could we have this Tom Phil up a touch or that guitar a bit louder or whatever? Um, in this case, that wasn't the case. So um, yeah, that's always great to see. So before we go into um, um, the entire mix, let me just break it into individual sections. Um, the signals obviously change in sound. There's EQ on there. There's a bit of compression um, here and there. And most importantly, a bit of reverb. And uh, this is how the drums sound in isolation. So actually not that different to what you heard before but just a bit cleaner a bit um, level better I guess yeah. in typical reggae fashion there is a bit of uh, plate reverb on the snare click very common um, I mean, it's a typical dub mixing technique, and this is something that I'm so excited about because that's, you know, almost like my specialty. That's something that I I like a lot, and um, I do a lot. So um, let's put things together. We've got the drums, and now let's add uh, the bass. Let me take the bass out for a second. And you can still hear some bass coming through. That's the drum microphones, the room microphones. And it sounds quite wide. So adding the bass into the mix establishes like a center pole, like a, yeah, you'd like to, to call it. And that brings the, the bass to the center, gives it the right amount of volume and keeps it nice and steady in the mix. Yeah. Let's add some guitars. Oh yeah. 
Ah, oh, let me just go back to the intro. So when it comes to the guitars, I really played with the uh, width over here and the space. So um, especially at the beginning, before the vocals start, um, I, I played with a lot of depth perception here and made the melody guitar, the lead guitar, sound really far away, distant, which gives it an interesting, I, I want to call it island vibe, um, island music. So that's how this sounds with the skank, but closer and a bit drier, close to me, but the melodies in the far distance. Coming up in a sec. Mm, they all got their own space. Let's add some keyboards. And some percussions. Lovely, lovely. So now we have the instrumental, and of course, the most important thing is the vocals. So let's just jump straight in. Um, in the intro, I was actually found a little bit of a vocal where Nurse Fire wasn't really tracking it. She just sort of cleared her voice or hummed along. Actually, that's what it was. She hummed along. And um, I found this really lovely. So I actually brought this up and, and put it in there. I'll show you. And coming up now. I couldn't hear it right now, so let me just see why that is. Sorry, my vocal channel was turned off. Let me have a do-over, please. Okay, it was pretty quiet, so let me just solo this so you can hear it one more time. This is one of these little magic things that was not intended. It was just, it just happened. And I just love to embrace it. So let me play the same section again. You might be able to hear it quietly in the mix. Okay. Wow, wow. Lovely, lovely, lovely. So uh, let's just dive into the vocals a little bit more. And um, you may be able to hear that, you know, the vocals sound a lot more polished, a lot cleaner. Uh, that's, of course, a bit of EQ and compression. Uh, but then in addition, the most important thing, in my personal opinion, is a really tasteful fader ride. And, you know, that is my style of mixing. I try to compress as little as I can and do as much as I can with automation rides on the faders. And my method is to just jump into right mode with my eyes closed. I've got my finger on the fader and just play it as I go. If I mess it up, I've got an iPad right in front of me. I hit back and play, which just jumps back two bars and I have another go. I don't need to click at all for that. I can literally do it with my eyes closed. And uh, then I go through the entire vocal track and, and stabilize the vocal in the mix where I like it to sit. And once I'm done, I usually um, update my automation uh, using trim mode, which is a method that 
adds a relative change to an existing automation line and do another automation pass and just, you know, fine-tune things. And, you know, if there was a word that I, I really love, I like to stress it a bit and just push it forward just a touch. Or if there's a section that I don't like as much, I just pull the volume just a little bit so it's not jumping into the foreground. Uh, however, in Sophia's case, that was really the case. It was usually that I just wanted to push it more. Um, yeah, that's the vocal writing uh, technique that I use. And once I'm done with that, um, I actually go one step further. I do the same thing for uh, the reverb send and automate this again. In other words, the vocals don't actually uh, don't receive the exact same amount of um, reverb every time. It sort of changes and alternates uh, throughout the song. And uh, yeah, let's just maybe isolate the vocals and hear how that sounds. You will be able to hear the, the reverb come and go. Let's jump into the first verse. We took the time to wake them up, but they don't want to see. So we're on the run, need to break away. Plan our escape, start a new land where we can overlay. Gotta get away. Um, yeah, let me just show you another section where um, I had to use sort of my box of tricks. It's the instrumental um, in the second half of the song. And this is how the instrumental sounds. Um, so I actually think I need to correct myself here. Earlier I, I was hinting uh, I did something funny with the uh, clavinet. But look, in all honesty, I think I just must take this for the other song that we recorded, which is going to be released in the next couple of weeks' time. So that's going to be an interesting one as well. But uh, this time around, um, there was no clavinet uh, mix feature that uh, that was actually the other song however uh, juan played a ridiculously beautiful guitar lead here very tasteful soulful not overloaded with you know too much uh, technique playing technique so he just really tastefully blended that in and uh, i gave it a lot of space um, now that I hear it, I almost wonder if this was a touch too much, but you know what? Sapphire loved it. She didn't say anything about it, uh, so I guess I shouldn't second-guess myself. Which, of course, as we all know, is the typical thing we all do all the time when we listen to our own, own work later. Um, yeah, okay, I think it's time that we uh, sort of move on from... Uh, the mixing stage and um, then see what happened afterwards so after i finished um, the mix after it was approved by sophia she passed the files on to um, to talia rose coleman at 301 mastering in sydney and uh, she did an another amazing uh, job here um, mixing sorry mastering these songs for um, for for Sophia. So I'm just trying to locate the one. Here it is. So let's bring this song in. Um, sorry, it just takes a moment to import. And in this case, I've got to make sure that it's not actually traveling through um, any processes. So as it imports, I'm just going to double check um, if there was anything across my master fader. I know that um, processing across the master fader is 
a, a hot topic. Some people uh, don't like it. Some people do like it. Um, I'm very practical on this. I have absolutely no hesitation doing it for all the right reasons. Um, but by that, I mean um, I will uh, make sure that I don't hit it hard on the master. So um, let me just look at what I had. I had a tape emulation here that was driven down to about negative 20 to negative just negative 20 negative 15 vu so very light one and there was a touch of master bus eq on there for which i just um yeah brought up the air bench the top end a little and uh, just a subtle you know, shape in the base so i'm just going to turn all these processes off so we wouldn't listen to any of those accidentally and uh, let me just route this new track to the outputs as we need it okay i think we should be ready to go here comes the finished master as uh, completed by talir of 301 song that came together really nicely um, at no stage did it feel like an uphill battle or something it was never frustrating and i guess that's the most important part um, going in reverse order now with talia doing the master myself doing the mix and then of course now let's give credit to all the amazing musicianship here all the amazing band members uh, who performed so well so i guess that's the um message here today it's it's not rocket science it's just enjoy yourself have a great time doing it capture it the right way try not to make any mistakes along the way um, and then things literally can fall into place really easily so um, yeah i think um, it's a bit of a dream team here coming together and you know i had such an amazing time mixing it um, and yeah, the song is now out. Um, I really want you to go to the show notes, please, and check out the show notes. In the show notes, you will find a link uh, leading to the song. Um, so please, yeah, support uh, local music, um, support Sapphire, Stone, and the Matchmakers, and listen to the song Breakaway in full length um, on all the streaming platforms. Good. Um, let me say thank you to Sophia for allowing me to share all of this with you and giving us so much insight uh, into the production. That is a very kind thing to do. Um, yeah, if you can, buy the record. Uh, check out for uh, any uh, live shows. If Sophia ever plays your way, please buy a ticket and show up. Um, um, for that, I will definitely uh, publish any um, gigs that I'm aware of uh, in the Production Talk community uh, uh, Facebook page. So that would be a great place to stay up to date. All right. Uh, this is all for today. 
thank you so much for um, this episode. If you like this, I would love to hear what you think about it. If you want to hear things like this again. And for that, I would kindly ask you to please go to uh, your podcast application and go to the rating. Give us a five-star rating, please, and maybe a sentence or two um, to tell me what you think about this episode and if you want to hear something like this again in future episodes. Thank you so much. This is all for today. You have a fantastic week. I'll speak to you again next week.